Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Book of Matthew chapter 11. I actually would like to, I, I, I started our media at verse number two, but I want to read verse number one. And then we'll go to the screens for the remainder. But Matthew chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 1, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. I think the, the word I really wanted out of that passage right there, that one scripture was the fact that he departed. He distanced himself. And then in verse number two, the Bible says, And when John heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again those things which ye do Hear and see. I mean, he's not just asking them to take a note back to John. <laughs> he's, this is not an affidavit. This is, you, you go tell him what you know to be true. And this is what, he, this was the message. This was the truth bound up in that message. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. I'm so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that sounds almost so rudimentary until it just kind of loses its impact. But I'm so thankful for the truth of God's word. The gospel means the good news. I'm just thankful for good news. Amen. I'll tell you, people approach me and say, I got something to tell you. You got good news and bad news. What do you want? I want the good news. And we'll have to deal with the bad news, but I, want, I love good news. Amen. God bless you. And let's talk together, together about this, and if you will, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, I think that it's uh, fair to say that, um, that faith and fear play the same game. And they play for the same stakes. They're very kin or at least they're very close. They play for the hearts of men, but of course, faith and fear are on different teams, opposing. But there is such a thin line that can often exist between faith and fear. I won't ask you to make any confessions here today, but I think that it's fair to say that many of us have realized just how thin that line between fear and faith can be. Because we can feel very faithful in one moment, and then just in a flash, in the blink of an eye, that faith can evaporate and fear takes its place. 
And, and the same is true. We can be fearful and uncertain. And then with just the right thing, it may be an inspiration, it may be a prayer, it could be any number of things. Faith is restored into our lives. But I would say today, and we should never doubt, that faith and fear are sworn enemies. And again, I will say, but they can switch places quickly. And few people could testify more to this fact than the man at the center of our, of our message here today. So if we, could, if we could just hit the pause button of Matthew 11, and if we could just roll a few pages of the calendar back, John, this same John, is standing at the edge of Jordan River. This same John, I don't know how you have envisioned this when you read it, I hope we kind of try to animate these things in our, in our minds. But when I'm reading John standing at the edge of Jordan River and I hear the words, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I just don't envision John standing there with his shoulders slumped and his eyes toward the ground and his voice barely above a whisper. But I just believe John was being John. John the Baptist, I believe, with his hand raised, with his voice, his throat cleared, and his voice as resilient as ever, I believe that John raised his hand, pointed to the man, that man they recognized from Nazareth, and he said those words that echo through the ages to this very moment. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, with courage and confidence, John the Baptist echoed these words. And it was this same man and this same voice that said, in, 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 in almost following this, I baptize you with water. But he said, there's one coming that is mightier than I. John, this man, this voice, this courageous, these square shoulders. He said, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It was this same John that when Jesus stepped into the Jordan River to be baptized, John tries his best. And we understand the, the humanity of this moment that John tries his best to switch places with him. And he said, I have need to be baptized of you. You, you don't need to be baptized of me. I mean, we have this wrong. John was never more sure of anything in his entire life or ministry. He knew for a certain fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And he said, I have got to decrease so that he can increase. I've got to move out of the way. I've done everything I knew to do up to this moment, but what I've been able to do has been limited. But I'm telling you that now this Messiah is not coming, he is here. And so with this courageous man who said, there's one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. Here is one coming. Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus steps into the pool of water. I'm not even worthy to do this. You ought to be doing this for me. But if we just keep rolling the calendar forward, John is now thrown in prison. That was our text. He's not just there to serve 90 days and have a slap on the wrist, a little mark on his, uh, on, on his life. No, no, John is facing the death sentence. This is real. This is as real as it's ever going to get. The hands that were once free to point and declare that this is the Messiah were now shackled. 
the voice that once preached, there is one coming after me mightier than I, was now soft and silent, somewhat dejected because fear had stepped into the shoes of faith and it happens to us all. Amen. As John the Baptist lay on death row, this man had more questions than he had answers. This just doesn't make sense. I didn't think it was going to end this way. This is not at all how I had envisioned this. And so in order to get through this moment of doubt, John summons two of his own messengers, two of his own disciples, and he says, I need you to go and find Jesus, and I need some answers. And he said, when you get to Jesus, I need you to ask him this simply, are you he that should come, or should we look for another? Amen. In, I believe, some seasons of, of life, we are confident that God is alive and well. We can feel him. We can just, we can just feel him and around every bend, around every turn. Amen. And then there are seasons when our faith is under such attack, we, like Job, wonder where God is. And it's okay to amen that. We have felt and we know that God will not abandon us, but that doesn't mean that we haven't felt abandoned. We know God will never leave us nor forsake us, but that doesn't mean at times we have not felt forsaken because we thought God was going to do this and when we got there, God was silent and we thought God was gonna handle this situation, that situation in one way or another and yet it's not exactly how God chose to move or operate. Over the, over the last 35 years or so, I have stood at gravesides and I have stood in hospital rooms where the atmosphere was more ripe with questions than it was with answers. Maybe not one of these families affected by this loss or uncertainty was even saying anything with their voices, but they were asking questions with their eyes. Amen, how could it be possible that I am standing here? Not that they thought they were above sorrow or above disappointment or above a shift in their life. They were just human enough to need an answer to the gnawing question, where is God right now? I know where God was in camp meeting. I know where he was in district conference. I know where he was in revival. I know where he was Sunday. I remember where he was Wednesday, but I'm not there now. I'm here in this moment, and I need to know where is God right now. They, like John, were saying, is he the one, or should we look for another? I believe that is a natural response or a natural reaction to tragedy and, and hardship, and especially when it strikes unexpectedly. And John the Baptist, as full of faith as he was yesterday, was not able to navigate around this faithless moment. John was the leader. He was the voice. He was what the scripture refers to and history refers to as the forerunner. It would be his voice that would herald his coming from town to town. It would be John that would travel with him and introduce him at every meeting. It would be John, that forerunner. 
He, John explaining to congregation after congregation, to gathering after gathering, I could only do so much, but here's the man. He can do this for you, Holy Ghost and fire. That was John's calling. Simply put, in the most literal sense, he was born to prepare the way for the Lord. He came out of the wilderness like a madman. He came out of the wilderness not worried about what anybody thought. He wasn't there to win friends and influence people. He meant John was just saying repent. John was saying you gotta turn or you're gonna burn. That was John's message. It was pretty blunt. Amen, he wasn't there, but for one reason, it is, it is an announcement, it is the sobering, it is the turning on of a light after 400 years of silence. It is a voice that would shake the silent, the silent uh, uh, atmosphere and say there is one coming. John was simply doing what he was born to do. Amen, and that is exactly what he did, and he did it well. But now the landscape, of his own personal life has changed. And he's not standing behind the pulpit. And he is not standing there to introduce Jesus to the masses. Today, that same man is bound in prison and he is condemned to die because of what he is preaching. I find it reassuring that Jesus did not condemn John for his doubt. And I am so thankful that he, hadn't, he didn't de condemn John for his doubt. And I want to just testify for just a moment if I can. Amen. He's not condemned me for mine either. I've condemned myself, but he's not condemned me for my doubt. John was confused as to why he was in prison. And why is everybody else running free? Why is it that I am here and they are there? And this is not how I thought it was all going to play out. Amen. But you see, there are... Most assuredly, things in this life that you and I will never be able to explain. Family and friends leave or pass away. Jobs unexpectedly lost. We lose things that we thought were forever ours. And these moments plague us with questions. And in such moments, what are we supposed to do? I've mentioned it many times. I'm not just, this is not a feeling statement, but I mean this sincerely. When I first was in the ministry and certainly when I first started pastoring, I felt that my call was to answer every question and explain every situation. I'm being very serious about this. I wasn't so egotistical as to think I was that brilliant, but I was say, what I'm saying is that I felt pressured to come up with an answer. I felt pressure to explain why. I felt pressure sitting across the table from a family that prematurely lost a loved one. Their world imploded. You need to say something. Surely God is just gonna open up your, uh, your, your mind, your thought process, and he's gonna give you a divine word. But I'm gonna tell you, sometimes that's not how it all played out. And I just remember the Lord giving me the courage years ago to be able to say, I don't know, and I can't explain this. And God is seemingly remaining silent on this particular subject. And there are things that we're going to encounter. Brother Everett mentioned it this morning that we go through. He's gone through things, and, and he's lived long enough to come full circle. And you come back around, and you have that aha moment. And you say, oh, that makes sense. And, and, and oh, that, that, that was cool how the Lord just kind of worked that all out. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't happen that way every time. He affirmed that for himself this morning. It doesn't happen that way every time. 
So what are we supposed to do in these moments? I believe that we have to follow John's lead. I think that we have to talk to the only one that does have the answers. I think we've got to get a message to the only person that can answer that. And we take those questions and even, yes, we take those doubts to the Lord. And when Jesus heard those questions, amen, and, and he, was, he, he heard what John, he felt, I believe, what John was trying to ask. And so here's what Jesus had to say. He didn't say, you go tell that scoundrel he should have had more faith. He didn't rebuke him. He just said, you need to go show John. You just need to go back. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go back, walk up to John's cell, and I just want you to have a testimony service right there. Just have a testimony service. Don't go tell him what I said. Don't go tell him what somebody else said. Don't go tell him what you heard. Don't go tell him what you read. Don't go tell him what you what, what somehow come down through the rumor mill. You go share with him what you heard and what you saw. Go bear the witness to him, amen. If it were a more modern day, perhaps if it were a modern day, they would have taken their phone or their tablet and Jesus would have been saying, you take your tablet and you walk up to his cell and you just play the video of last night's service and you let him see those dead people get up and walk and you let them see those lame rise and you let them him see or watch, amen, the, those running or the lepers, you've you zoom in close and let him see how that skin had had leprosy and now it was made whole. I want you to just zoom in there and let him know that the deaf are hearing. Amen. I want you to understand. Amen. Help him rather to understand. Zoom in and show him that man that he knew was born blind. Watch him holding that script and that scroll and reading it out loud. That's what Jesus said do. Go back and have a testimony service. Then Jesus said something interesting. It's almost as though, if you're reading the story, it's almost as though he left the narrative and just turned in this conversation as if all these reports haven't convinced him. If the blind didn't move him, if the lame didn't move him, if the lepers didn't move him, if the deaf didn't move him, if the dead didn't move him, then Jesus said, there's just still one more thing I want you to share with him. Tell him this. The poor have the gospel preached to them. So we would have led in with that. Well, we're still preaching. Because that would have been... <laughs> You're looking at me weird. But anyway, we would have, we would have led in with that. that. That would have been, you know, we want to start right here. But that's not where he started. That's where he ended. Because he's telling the story to get to a zenith. He's telling the story to get to an apex. He's telling this story because there's a meaning. There is going to be an aha moment. And so if you think the dead and the deaf and the lame and the blind, if you think that's something, here just remind him and the poor are having the gospel preached unto them. I just want to ask you today, aren't you thankful that somebody came with a gospel message to preach to you? Amen. You may never have been blind. You may never have been deaf. You may have never had leprosy. You may have never had some dreaded disease. You may never have been dead and needed to be raised to life again. But we were all born in sin. And in Mother David said, amen, I was born in shaping in iniquity. Amen. That's what David said. We're born in sin. We're shaping in iniquity. We all were lost 
and we needed God to step into our lives. And so I'm thankful that the Lord anointed a preacher one day. Amen. I'm not feathering my nest today. I needed a preacher too. I'm thankful that the Lord sent somebody to preach the gospel to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Luke 19 and 10, seek to save that which was lost. That was his mission to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. The good news is that if you're lost, you don't have to be rich or famous <laughs> for him to come looking for you. The only condition that you need to meet for him to come looking and knocking at your door is just to be lost and hungry. And if you want him to do something in your life, I've got great news for you. He's here to do it. Amen. The gospel is the greatest gift that you and I have ever received. Everything else that we receive will pale in comparison because you could go to heaven blind. You could go to heaven lame. You could go to heaven with this. You could go to heaven with that. But you can't go to heaven without salvation. We got to have the spirit of God moving and working in our lives. Amen. We tend to think sometimes that this long list of miracles would have been enough to, con to convince John but that's not where Jesus placed the period in this particular sentence. Just in case the blind and the lame and the leper wasn't enough, John said, just tell him about the poor. Tell him about the gospel that's still being preached. Tell him that the gospel's still going forward. My Lord, have mercy. Let me tell you, we're talking about people today that are hungry. And I don't want to sound cynical. I'm not meaning it that way. But there are people that were chasing all over the world for signs, miracles, and wonders. I'm going to tell you what I know to be true. Not what I assume may happen. What I know to be true is that you could set up a tent in the middle of nowhere and you could say, put out a sign, signs, miracles and wonders, and people will come out of the woodwork. They will drive from everywhere, walk. They'll do whatever they need to do to get there because they're hungry for that. But hang out, as the old preachers used to say, hang out a shingle. <laughs> I don't think it meant the same thing then as it means today. And just say, gospel preaching tonight. Amen, I will tell you, you'll need somebody to come flag them off the road because people have got their priorities all mixed up. Hallelujah, amen. Yes, he is a miracle worker. And yes, he can do all of the above. But the greatest thing Jesus Christ ever will do, it won't be to heal a blind man or a deaf man. It will not be to raise the dead. The greatest thing he'll ever do is to take a sin-sick soul and to reach down in the mire, hallelujah, and to pull that soul out of the mire and give them hope and give them hope for eternity. Praise God, praise God. That's why the writer said, if your eye offend your pluck it out. If your hand up in you, pluck it, cut it off. He, why? He said it'd be better to try to enter into heaven. Amen. Maimed. It would be better to try to do this maimed than it would be to try to do this without the blood. Hallelujah. The poor. The poor. He tell the poor man in town there's a healing. Their first question is going to be, what's this going to cost me? I'm not sure I can afford that because they remove themselves right out of the gate and that's why Jesus adds as this all-important statement about the poor, part 
of what makes the gospel the gospel is that the rich and the poor, amen, the socially acceptable and the social outcasts all have a chance to hear the gospel. That's why Jesus said, go tell John that he is still preaching the good news to the poor. Amen, this should be the perfect picture, I believe, of the local church, whether it's across our state, across our nation, or around our world. Amen, the picture of the perfect church will not be how high the, the, the steeple pierces in the sky or how many seats or how many people it will hold. It will not be, it will not be the perfect picture, will not be what we may think the perfect picture of the church is. I believe the perfect picture of the church, amen, will be the fact that we are not separated by race and that we are not separated by social status and we are not separated by the haves and we're not separated by the haves nots. Amen. Well, you you know, if you got this kind of certain automobile, you got to park on this side of the church. If you drive it, you got to park on that side of the church. If you wear this article of clothes, you got to sit over here and we've got certain sections in place for you to park or seat. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you that the educated can sit right down beside the uneducated. Amen. The haves can sit right down beside the have nots and we can lift our hands together and worship and wonder. Amen. Enjoy the wonder and the power of God. That's what the gospel will do for you. Amen. That's what the gospel will do. We're not all blind, but we're all lost. Amen. We are, we are one. We are one. Praise God. We are one. And that's why the Lord, that was the Lord's intention from the very beginning. Amen. He wasn't changing the orders halfway. No. He wasn't changing the orders halfway. Luke 4 and 11, or Luke 4 and 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You remember this? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. <laughs> he came to preach the gospel to the undeserving. We need to broaden our perspective of poor. I'm not just talking about what's in your bank account. We're talking about the undeserving. That's you and me. He, gave, he came to give a chance to those who didn't stand a chance. An opportunity to those who the door of opportunity had already slammed shut. So whether you were raised to love the church or whether you were raised to hate the church, Jesus came so we could hear the gospel. He came to give the downcast a reason to look up. To give the prostitute, the drug addict, to give them a way out, to give a thief and a murderer a path forward. Jesus came to preach the gospel to those who had nothing and to those who were nothing. That's the life-changing power of the gospel. When Jesus left his disciples, he left them this command, preach the gospel to every creature. I think it's very important we understand something here. He was not asking them to go to door. He was not asking them to go door to door, like they were trying to sell a vacuum cleaner. Amen. When he said preach the gospel to every creature, he wasn't. Also, he wasn't asking us because that bleeds into us. He is not asking us to understand every theological implication of Scripture. So if you wait till you get good enough to preach the gospel, guess what? You're way behind. You're way behind. You got to start somewhere. Share with somebody what you know. 
I'll tell you what will happen in the process of that. God will let you know more. He'll open your eyes and he'll open your understanding. Amen. We all ought to be ministers. We all ought to be sharing the gospel with somebody. Amen. Everybody in our sphere of influence ought to have the opportunity to have a home Bible study with you. Amen. With you. So, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you do what you know to do. Amen. We've got all kinds of tools. We've got all kinds of things to place in your hands to walk us through that. Amen. He's, he is not asking us just to simply put, uh, not to, to do something. He's not simply asking us to do something beyond the realm of reason. Amen. He's simply asking us to put a smile on our face and tell the world what gift God has given us. Amen. Tell the Lord, tell the whole world what the Lord's done for you. Just tell him what he's done for you. Don't have to, you can leave me out of the equation. You can leave Brother Daryl out of the equation. You can leave Brother Danny alone. You can leave Sister Shannon alone. Just talk about what the Lord has done for you. Amen. Let me say this another way. When you get to work next week and people ask you about your weekend, acknowledge right there that the Lord just opened an effectual door before you. Amen. He just opened an opportunity before you. That's your chance to share the good news. Amen. Tell them I went to church. Amen. Talk about the positive things that happened at the church. You ought to be able to tell them you should have been there with us. Matter of fact, I'll save you a seat. I'm going to tell you the power of God began to move. You don't have to jump up on the table in the lunchroom to do all this stuff. Amen. You don't need a microphone. You don't even have to yell like I'm yelling to do it. It just, just gets in me. Just share what the Lord is doing in the church. And if you're not aware of any good things going on in the church, you're listening to the wrong crowd. Amen. God's been doing great things in our church. Amen. That's one way you and I get to give this world this same gift of Jesus. Amen. The gift of the good news. Here we are standing at the threshold of a brand new year. 2024 is a clean slate. It is full Oh, oh, so full of potential. We don't know what the Lord desires to do in us, through us. Amen. And right here in this exciting year. And so we can't allow not one service in 2024 to just be another service. Please don't think that way. Amen. I just rebuke that kind of thinking. I come against that kind of thinking. Amen. We can't afford to say, well, it's just another Sunday or it's just another Wednesday. I want to tell you Friday. Friday night, we heard one of the most outstanding messages. My goodness, my goodness. Amen. If time will allow me and we can do it, I want to share that whole message with our entire church. Amen. There's just something powerful about showing up. There's just something powerful about being present. Amen. We need you here. We need you here. God needs you here. Amen. So we can't, why? Because we don't know who's going to walk in the door and we don't know what need is going to be in the door. And furthermore, amen, we need you here all the way. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of the service. That's where God, we have been preaching and singing about the power of God. And you know what the end of a service is about? It's room for demonstration. Amen. That's not the time to lean back. That's the time to lean in and say, hey God, remember what we were singing about? Hey God, remember what the preacher was preaching about? Let's see a little demonstration of that right here. I'm gonna get my hands on it. I wanna get my hands around it. I wanna get my feet wet. I wanna do what God, I wanna do what God is wanting me to do. And so it can't be just another Sunday. It can't be just another Wednesday. Amen. You don't ever know. We never know 
who's going to walk through those doors. I don't want any of the ministers in this church, I certainly make this a very strong practice in my own life and ministry. I do not try to determine who's going to be here to determine what's going to be preached. I say, Lord, I know, amen, I'm going to be praying this afternoon and tonight about Wednesday. I'm going to be praying Monday about Wednesday. I'm going to be praying Tuesday about Wednesday. I'm going to be praying Wednesday about Wednesday. I don't know who's going to be here. Amen, I don't, I don't sit on the platform and see who's here and who's not here and thumb through and bring three or four sermons on the platform with me so I can adjust as needed. Because you can, you can really do foolish things like that. As a young pastor, you know when I wanted to preach on faithfulness? The most tempting time to preach on faithfulness is when there's not enough here to light a fire. And then you think, wait a minute. <laughs> They're here. I probably ought to leave this crowd alone. They're faithful. They're here. But that's what happens when you follow the wind. So I want to follow God. Amen. I'm going to say, Lord, whatever you lay on my heart, that's what I'm preaching tonight. Amen. I want the pulpit to be a place that's sacred and pure. Amen. We don't know who's going to walk through the door. I did just kind of meander a little bit there, didn't I? And some of you caught that. I'll ask our musicians to come. That'll gather all the feathers back up. Watch this. Amen. Just like when he walked the earth, the Lord gave away gifts. Yeah, he did. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, Jesus, Master. Shh, shh, don't bother him. Don't bother him. He's busy. He cried the louder. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, well, what do you want? What would you like for me to do? I think it was very obvious that he was blind. But I think it's very obvious that blind Bartimaeus could have received whatever he asked for. I need a new cot. I need a new coat. I need a warm place to stay. But he said that I might receive my sight. Sight it is. To the woman at the well who had been so unfortunate for whatever reason in finding unconditional love. Because he said... You've had five husbands and the one you're with is not yours now. She was in search of unconditional love. And so he gave that to her at the well. Jairus' daughter, what do you need? She needs life. Life. To the demon-possessed man of Gadara, what, what is it? I need to be delivered. Delivered. And to sinners, what do you need? I need to be saved. Salvation. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Jesus was consumed with giving away the gospel to as many people as would receive it. That's why he came. To preach to the poor, to the rich, to the unlearned, to the educated, to the religious, to the heathen. Jesus came that we all might know this central truth because he understands this truth will make you free. Praise God. But you know, 
we can we can debate this if we'd like but still I believe I'm correct because I'm in the word of God not because of me but Jesus was called to bear witness the Bible says to bear witness unto the truth or another way to say that to testify to the truth and so Jesus, this is not, again, arbitrary language. Jesus used a legal term, but he used it on purpose. And the reason Jesus used a legal term here to say, I'm here to testify to the truth, is because truth was on trial. And can I tell you that truth is still on trial? Pilate's attitude reflected the entire Roman Empire. He was a spokesman. It was a snapshot into their mindset about the truth when Pilate sarcastically asked, what is truth? What is truth? And with that cynical question still hanging in the air, you know what Pilate did? He walked away. Pilate spoke for all the confused people of his day. He said, I have success, but I don't know the truth. I have houses and land, but I don't know the truth. But none of that can satisfy because there's still an emptiness within. Therefore, God robed himself in flesh and dwelt among men. He did that because he came to answer that timeless question, what is truth? He came to stand beside all of those who were confused and didn't know what to believe he came for all those who like John was saying are you real? is this real? he came to every man to every woman to every boy and girl that's ever felt the lostness that life can bring with it and he came bearing the gift of truth John 1 and 1 and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God that's a wonderful 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 passage of scripture but I want to tell you what makes John 1 and 1 powerful is John 1 and 14 Mm. thank you thank you Lord thank you Lord amen thank you for the word and thank you for the word that was with God and thank you for the word that was God but really 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 thank you that you robed yourself in flesh John 1 and 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full here it is of grace and truth (laughs) it doesn't need to remain a mystery he's here today with us amen if you need anything from the Lord today you're in the right place This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.